Pastor Ed Taylor says when you come to realize that you're on a mission with God, it really changes your perspective in life. Think about what would change today if you simply adopted the truth and acknowledged it in every area of your life that I'm on a mission with God. I'm on a mission with God in this place where I work. I'm on a mission with God in my marriage. I'm on a mission with God in my singleness. I am on a mission with God. It would change your whole perspective. The problem? We'd rather complain about where God has us. We'd rather be upset. Instead of taking steps of faith and embracing where we are, we run to and fro trying to find the will of God. When God says, all the while, I'm with you, this is my will. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Here at the beginning of another week, we bring you the beginning of a brand new series called Into Faith We Go. We'll be taking a brief break from Romans in order to present this special series that was given at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, not long ago. Just like the children of Israel thousands of years ago, God often brings us to a place where our faith is tested and we'll be challenged to take a step in a different direction. Will you resist the change and choose the route of comfort and ease? Or will you say, bring it on and walk by faith? Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Joshua chapter 3 in a Bible study that I've entitled, Into Faith We Go. Into Faith We Go. Now, as I was looking back over the last few years of what God has done in our church and, you know, being very nostalgic, one thing that came to the surface was this sense that God has never allowed us to stay at a place of comfort and ease. He's always stirred us up and moved us forward, not allowing us to become comfortable and at ease. Because that's always a dangerous place. Like in Jeremiah chapter 48, verse 11, you can jot it down. It says, Moab has been at ease from his youth. He settled on its dregs. He's not been emptied from vessel to vessel, nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore, his taste remained in him, and his scent has not changed. Therefore, Behold, the days are coming, saith the Lord, that I shall send him wine workers who will tip him over and empty his vessels and break the bottles. Now, the picture here is of the ancient art of winemaking, where they would put grape juice in with the yeast in different barrels, and they would let it ferment. And as it fermented, they need to take it, and as the impurities would come to the top, they would skim it off the top and then pour it into a new vessel skimming off the impurities, poured into a new vessel over time. If they didn't do that, then what happened here with Moab would happen. All the impurities would settle down to the bottom and ruin it and destroy it. And he uses this picture to say, look, Moab has never experienced the pouring process. They've they've never turned their life toward me. They've never experienced anything but comfortableness and at ease. And because of that, they're going to face quick, sudden, thorough judgment. And you know, there is great consequence for us choosing the comfortable route. That's our problem. 
the tension between the spirit and the flesh in our life is this. The spirit says yes. The flesh says no. I like things predictable. I like things going the way. I, I like to know what's going to happen ahead of time. I like to plan, you know, especially for those of you that like to plan your life out, that like to know what's going to happen 20 years from now. You like to have a little bit of control. You don't like surprises. You definitely don't like life-altering surprises. You have a tendency to go the route of being comfortable and at ease. And it's too easy to settle down. This comes as a warning to us as a church family, as believers in Jesus Christ. It's simply too easy to settle down into our areas of comfort and ease, resisting change, resisting faith. We become people that are predictable, and we like the predictability, and, the, and predictability then leads to complacency, and then complacency leads to idleness. Idleness leads to faithlessness, and we just become stagnant in our relationship with God, and we wonder, what has happened? Could it be that you haven't been living by faith? That's the answer to the situation. We, we, maybe you're here today and you go, well, Ed, I hear you describing it. I understand, the con I understand both sides, but I I'm doing okay. Things are okay with me. And, and then you feel like things are going well. And yet at the same time, you feel like things are going well. You think things are going well. But you know, personally, you have not been living the fullness of a faith walk with God for a long time. You've been religious. You've had religious activity. It's not that you're against God or have anything against God. You just aren't in tune with that first love experience of, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything for you, God. My life is yours. I have died to myself. I'm now alive in Christ. I have answered the call, Jesus, for you. You called me. You said, come to me, and I've come, and I'm here, and I'm willing, and I'm ready, and I want to match with obedience. You see, if you haven't been in that vibrant faith walk, then things are not okay. It's not okay to live a half-hearted life. It's not okay to give a religious expression. It's not okay. Nothing great has ever been done with a half-heart. And no true follower of Jesus makes great progress half-heartedly. As we learn in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says, without faith, what? It is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God because we need to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And as we survey the scriptures and as we have a lot of friends, believers, we have people in our lives, the, the way to discover the will of God is the same now as it has been for all eternity. Or for any time that God has had relationships with man, the way to discover God's will is the exact same. As you see it in the Bible, from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you see Miriam, you see Rahab. It's the same way. It's the same way. They've all given us the same example. And that is, we hear the word of God and we take a venture of faith. And we step out and say, I hear what you say, God, and I'm going to do it. I hear what you say, my spirit bears witness with your spirit, and I'm going to do what I hear you saying to me, matching a faith that's alive with obedience that's alive. To take a venture of faith and see what God might do, to step out. And I'm so encouraged as I read through the scriptures of the steps of faith that are about on just about every page of the Bible. 
men and women like you and me wanting to be involved in the ministry of God, wanting to be involved in what God is doing on the earth today, all of them realizing, whether they realize it at the moment or not, that they were on mission with God. Not, not a mission for God, but on a mission with God. This is God's mission on the earth. We have joined his will. We have following him. He doesn't follow us. We follow God. And think about what would change today if you simply adopted the truth and acknowledged it in every area of your life that I'm on a mission with God. I'm on a mission with God in this place where I work. I'm on a mission with God in my marriage. I'm on a mission with God in my singleness. I'm on a mission with God in my unemployment or in my flat tire. Like, I am on a mission with God. It would change your whole perspective. The problem? We'd rather complain about where God has us. We'd rather be upset. Instead of taking steps of faith and embracing where we are, we run to and fro trying to find the will of God. When God says, all the while, I'm with you, this is my will. But I don't like it, Lord. I know. The longer you live, the more you find there will be things in life that you don't like. We live in a sin-soaked world. And to not match God's word with faith will pull you away from the mission of God that you are with him and he is with you. Remember Jesus said in John 15, abide in me and I will what? Abide in you. Let my word abide in you, Jesus says. And I love the people of the Bible. They've added so much to my life. So many of your stories and what God has done in your life add so much to my life personally. All of the men of the Bible, all of you taking seriously your commitment to Jesus, ready to follow his leading, open, which leads us to Joshua chapter 3. As we come to a time in the children of Israel's life where things are changing and they're going to be going in a new direction in their life. They are following the same God. They are following the same leader. But God is bringing them to a place of more faith. That God is going to do a work in their life as he's leading them through Joshua. He's bringing them to a place where their faith will be tested and they'll be challenged to take the next step. Notice with me in verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. And just for you note takers, that's the Jordan River. The Jordan River. He and all the children of Israel, they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was, after three days, that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, about a half a mile, two-thirds of a mile, because you're talking about, you know, a couple million people. There's a lot of people here, a large group of God followers. So there's going to be a distance so they can see. Notice, there's going to be a space. Do not come near it. Verse 4, that you may know the way by which you must go. And then hopefully you have this underlined in your Bible. If you don't, highlight it, underline it, circle it. Because this is the word of God to us today. It was to them then, and it's to us now. For you have not passed this way before. And we'll get back to that in a moment. Verse 5, Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. So like Moses before him, Joshua received his orders from the Lord, matched the orders from God with obedience, 
And he did what God told him to do. And he passed on what God gave to him to the leadership, to the priests, so that they now have to believe that their leader heard from God. And it's a new way that God is working among the people. Where Joshua receives word, now the priests are going to follow Joshua. And the thing is, is Joshua is not Moses. Joshua is not Moses. Moses has died. Not able to enter into the promised land because he misrepresented God. And he's not going to enjoy the promised land, at least not in this case. We know he gets in later in the New Testament on the Mount of Transfiguration, but he doesn't come in here. Joshua now takes his place. And now Joshua is getting information from them. He's going to take the people. This is God's will for Joshua's life. He is now going to take leadership of the children of Israel, this nation of God followers. That's how you have to think of them. They are just like you. They are committed to following God. They are all in. They are totally given over to obeying God. They're not perfect at it, for sure. But they are like us today. We are committed to following God, except that we live in the new covenant. So we have the empowering of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have a greater relationship with God than even they do. So Joshua, he, they tell, he tells them that you guys need to take the Ark of the Covenant and go out. And that's the direction. And notice in verse 4, he tells them, For you have not passed this way before. Do you know that's the truth for them then, but it's the truth for you now. Everything you experience today, everything, including this moment, you have not passed this way before. It's all new. But our minds play tricks on us. Because when you do something repetitively and habitually, you lose the excitement of what could happen. Uh, I'll give you an example. Let's just say that you've been with us. Well, let's say in this building, we've gathered together now in this building about 14 years. So we've gathered together. So that, that's a lot of Sundays to come to church. So you've come to church a lot of those Sundays of 14 years. And you're just like, well, I'm here again. And it's the same thing, different day. Same thing, different day. Same thing, different day. Not true. Today, you have not passed this way before. Well, sure, you might be in the same room. But this is the first time today that you're in this room. This is the first time you're hearing this message. And some of you are going, no, Ed, I was here first service. It was different. Anybody that listens to the messages here, all three of them have the same notes, but there's a different direction because there's different people in the room. The Holy Spirit has a different emphasis for every single service. So it's not even, well, I've heard this before. You haven't. This is the first time I'm delivering this message for the second service on this Sunday. But we don't normally think that way. Instead, we get into a time of routine. And we literally look down on the days that God gives us. Same, same thing, different day. Same thing, different day. And we don't anticipate, listen, you haven't passed this way before. What does God have for you? What's fresh? What's new? What is he going to reveal? We're always coming to new territory, church. Always coming to new ground. That's always the place when we step out in faith. One chapter closes when another one begins. There's an ending and a beginning. And up to this point, one of the big changes that this nation of Israel is experiencing is how God will lead them. Because you remember for the 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness. Remember, this is the second, gen third generation entering in. The first generation, with the exception of Joshua and his friend, whose name was? His, who's Joshua's friend's name? Caleb. Joshua and Caleb are going in. To, they're the only two that are going to go in. Everyone else is the next generation. Because the first generation, they died in the wilderness because of their unbelief. Because of their fearful unbelief. They didn't trust God. 
And instead of going in, in just a short journey into the promised land, like God said would happen, their unbelief, they caused them to wander in the wilderness to die. It's their kids, their grandkids that are entering in now, going through into the promised land, and something's changing. In the wilderness, they learn to follow God through two supernatural events. During the day, they were given a cloud that was over the Ark of the Covenant, over the tabernacle. And when the cloud moved, they moved. So their eyes were always on the cloud, always looking to the tabernacle, which was in the center of the people. In the daytime, it was a cloud. Remember, in the evening, they were given a pillar of fire. And as long as the fire stood still, they stood still. If it moved, they moved. And of course, there were a lot of people, so it took time to pack up and get things moving. And they were being led supernaturally by God, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Things are changing here. Instead of these supernatural things, now they wouldn't wait for a cloud or fire. Now they are going to learn how to follow Joshua, God's appointed leader, and the priests. They would need to learn how to trust these men at their word. They would learn how to walk with God through the leading of his leaders. And the Ark of the Covenant here is what is their eyes are to be on. The Ark of the Covenant is where God met the nation, met the people on the lid. The lid we know as the mercy seat. And that lid was a picture and a type of Jesus Christ to come, where God meets us today. All of this was pointing toward, toward the coming of the Savior, and things are going to change. Remember in the ark, you had a few things that were inside. First of all, there were a copy of the law, the tablets of stone. Secondly, there was a jar of manna, that supernatural food that God gave to the children of Israel while they were wandering. And then thirdly, there was Aaron's rod that had budded. And these all give us a picture of God's faithfulness, God's provision, and God's power. So, so they're going to learn how to follow God through his faithfulness, through his provision, and through his power. And it's been said, faith is not believing in spite of the evidence. Faith is obeying in spite of the consequence. Trusting God at the substance and the evidence that he's given to us. Notice with me now in verse 7. The Lord said to Joshua, This day I'll begin, begin to magnify you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Let's just pause there for a second. Why would God need to magnify Joshua among the people when they already recognize him as the leader? What is it that's necessary in Joshua's life? Like this is a big time. You know, this is a huge thing that God is doing a great work for millions of people. But he pauses and tells Joshua, there's a special work for you, Joshua. You know, one of the things that many people face in a large growing church like ours is you think, well, God is working in all the larger church, but he's forgotten me. God will never forget you, ever. You are not forgotten with God. Whether you're in a church of three people or 3,000 people, you will never be forgotten by God. And here's Joshua in the midst of all the people and all the work that God is doing, not only for the nation then, but for the future. For you and me, we get to learn now. He says, hey, Joshua, I just want you to know, I'm going to begin to magnify you so the people will respect your leadership. And you think, why? I'll tell you why. Turn back to chapter 1. Joshua, this great man of faith, Joshua, this man that God has chosen, that Moses has trained and God has chosen to be the next leader, 
he is facing this step of faith very similarly to what, how you and I face steps of faith. Pick up with me in verse 1 of chapter 1 in the book of Joshua. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I've given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. All the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man, verse 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I'll not leave you or forsake you. And then check this out. He says this three times. Verse 6, be strong and of good courage. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This great man of faith is afraid, and he's lacking courage. Isn't that how so often you face a decision in your life? It's fearful. If, it, if taking steps of faith and walking in regular obedience was easy, everybody would be doing it all the time. But it's challenging because it's the mixture of the spiritual realm and God's goodness and holiness with our imperfect humanity. Oh, it's true. We are new creations in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're born again, changed forever from the inside out. But we still are walking in these carcasses, these bodies with the brain that isn't redeemed yet, with old sinful habit patterns. And some of you haven't developed a faith walk because you're afraid. You're afraid. Thanks for listening to our very first study in a series called Into Faith We Go here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Pastor Ed, as we close, you mentioned that fear is often holding people back from that walk of faith. Could you give us an example of that? You know, Larry, fear is a big deal. Now, fear was given to us, that feeling of fear, that emotion of fear was given to us by God, and in its right context is used in a wonderful way to keep us safe, uh, to keep us in a position of strength. Uh, fear is not entirely bad. However, the fear of man, the fear of failure, uh, the fear of falling, uh, the fear of not doing it right holds believers back in their walk of faith. And, and you get caught up and paralyzed by the questions, what if, and what happens, and what will happen, and I'm not sure, and everything that God has been leading you into, you are pulling back. And this whole series that we're doing for the, for the church here, and now you, you are, you are the church. But this whole series that we did with our church, that these were just delivered not just a few weeks ago. I love that, how fresh we can be on the radio, right? The, the series on Romans is a few years ago, many years ago, but this series in particular is fresh and new. And listen, God is speaking to you about faith in your life. And I know you wanted an example of that, but I, I think in, in where I'm at, I want you to know that there are examples of examples like Joshua of stepping through fears. God tells him to be courageous, boom, he trusts God and he's courageous. And I believe that God is telling you, and so Joshua is a great example, right? But I believe God's telling you that's listening in, be strong and courageous because God is with you 
and he will be with you. And let me tell you, if, if you choose to cave into the fears, you'll regret it. So just step out in faith and let God strengthen you and help you no matter what you face. That is very helpful. Thanks for elaborating. And we'll share the rest of Pastor Ed's message, Into Faith We Go, tomorrow. You can hear this study and the complete series online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or download our free app and listen through your mobile device. You can just search for Calvary Aurora. Each month, we try to pick out a book that we believe can be of some help to your walk with the Lord. And this month, it's A Love Letter Life by Jeremy and Audrey Roloff. Perhaps you were one of the millions that watched Jeremy and Audrey share their vows and commit their lives to one another on the show Little People, Big World. What you may not have realized is that they prepared more for their marriage than their wedding day. In this helpful book, they share their love story in all its beauty and imperfections. Their unique approach to dating empowered them to write an uncommon love story and really prepared them for married life. We'll send you a love letter life when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Share it with someone who is single and help them date intentionally, pursue creativity, and love faithfully. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.